0: Nola here.
1: It is wonderful to be with you, an absolute delight. Awesome,
0: awesome. So welcome to Unapologetically Black Unicorns, of which you are a major Unapologetically Black Unicorn. I'm so excited, <laughs> to, uh, just dying to have this conversation. But I don't introduce people, as folks know, because I like to have people introduce themselves. So would you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: I'm delighted to introduce myself. My name is Enola Ayrton. I am the daughter of Ernesta Aird and Randolph Aird, the granddaughter of Elvica and Charles Reed and um, Alan and Elise White, and the great-granddaughter of Samuel Aline who was a loyal follower of the Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey, mm. and to whom I attribute my absolutely a rational passion for the welfare of Black people and to whom I'm indebted for that. I I consider it a great, great blessing. Wow. Well, thank you for that
0: introduction, especially tying it to Ancestry. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. That's really cool. I actually sit a picture of my ancestors when I have a physical office above <laughs> me on my physical office so I can always look up and remember from whence I came and why I'm sitting here and the purpose of me sitting in the space I'm occupying to honor what they laid down before I even got here and to carry that on. So exactly. thank you. For yeah, giving, exactly. And that's exactly
1: why I introduced myself that way. I don't always do it, but I that's my preferred way. To introduce myself.
0: Amazing, amazing. So, I invited you here for a purpose. I want to tell you, I want you to tell us also a little bit about the work that you're doing related to emancipation and emotional well being and healing, especially for the Black community, because we come from such a, a history of colonization. So, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. I am the founder and president of Community Healing Network which is focused on ending the centuries long association between blackness and inferiority and restoring the rightful association between blackness and humanity. We are mobilizing people, black people all across the diaspora to heal from and extinguish the lie of white superiority and black inferiority, which we see as the root cause of the dehumanization of African people. That lie was told uh, centuries ago, many, many, many centuries ago for many reasons, but uh, in the 1400s, it was told to justify the enslavement of African people. And then it later justified the colonization of the African continent the lie essentially said that anything that comes out of Africa is to be devalued, including its people. Other people have been enslaved, other people have been trafficked, other people have been colonized, but there's something about our trafficking and enslavement and colonization that basically said that these people, the people who look like this, the people who share this culture will forever be deemed less than, will forever be deemed inferior. And that this hierarchy of humanity that they begin to create, this false hierarchy of humanity and human value that they begin to create and that they create and they install, and it's a system that we're operating under today, Uh essentially says that whiteness is at the very top, the pinnacle, and Blackness is the very bottom, and sometimes not even in the human family, right? Justifying their continuous degradation of Black people for centuries up until this present moment. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so when we talk about the challenges facing Black people, the challenges facing Black people here in Africa, across the diaspora, we miss the most important point if we neglect to focus on this as the root cause of our dehumanization, as the root cause of the devaluing of our lives, the root cause of the underdevelopment of our communities, because the lie essentially casts Black people out of the circle of humanity. And the work that Community Healing Network is about is mobilizing, organizing Black people to reclaim a rightful place in the circle of humanity to say, no longer will we accept this lie. We are peeling off from this narrative, grounded and driven by the lie, and we're writing a new narrative, a renewed African narrative, because remember, before before the lie was told, there was the truth, the truth of Africa as the cradle of human civilization, the the place from which all human life descend, right? right? Mm -hmm. But that rich, glorious African history was erased by the lie. Mm -hmm. And so what we are doing now is coming back into our right minds and really understanding that rich, truthful history. As Garvey says, we have a beautiful history and we shall create another in the future that will astonish the world. Right. So we're remembering that, remembering that history that was before the Ma'afa, and intending together as people in this current situation awakening to really move forward in the spirit and in the in the grounding of the truth of our humanity and no longer playing to the to the tune of black inferiority that has really been the tune for 600 700 800 years wow
0: Okay. One more. Wow. <laughs> I was taking lots of notes because I think there are things, you know, I'm really fortunate that, you know, I studied um, African-American history at Temple University with Malefia Asante and sort of all of mm, the Afros. Yeah. You know, right? So no longer. Is the there. Yeah. So, so that's actually, I hadn't um, known anything about Marcus Garvey before that. Now, if you can imagine, I did not go to college. I did not, you know, attend where I, stuck with the bachelor's degree at 18. I was already almost 30. So I had not even heard of Marcus Garvey before I was 13, or if I did, it didn't quite click until I went to Temple University and then um, was minoring in African-American studies. And so can you talk a little bit about, we might have to back up some things Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I imagine if I didn't learn about it, probably lots of people didn't. Mm -hmm. So who is Marcus Garvey? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Can we start there? And then, and and because he also is an ancestor of yours and can you talk to about, well, we'll go into a couple of other things that I want to make sure people are grounded in some terms.
1: Well, first, I can't, I, he's not an ancestor of mine. My ancestor, Samuel Aline, was a loyal follower of- Oh, got it, um, yes. Um, well, Marcus Mosiah Garvey. Marcus okay. Mosiah Garvey was a, a son of Jamaica. In the month of August of, I don't remember what year in the 1920s, he called forth Africans from all over the world without the internet to come to Harlem and to be in Harlem for the whole month, during which time he released the, I believe it's the Declaration of Human Rights of the Negro peoples of the world, the red, black, and green that we all, it's it's really a common language for us across the diaspora was unfurled at that time. He was for African people. He believed that we should all be back together again. He was bringing all of the Aspera back together again and back home. He was entrepreneurial. Bob Marley would quote him years later in in his song, "Uh, we must emancipate ourselves to mental slavery because whilst others might free the body, none but ourselves can free the mind. He understood the importance of psychological freedom, emotional emancipation, as we describe it. And he was ultimately working to build self-sufficiency, self-determination and agency within the Black community. Malcolm X's mother was a follower of Marcus Garvey. Martin Luther King, when he goes to Jamaica, says, but for Marcus Garvey, we wouldn't have gotten our legs and so for me marcus garvey and, and he wasn't a perfect figure by any means i mean part of i mean he was very full of himself and part of uh, when you see pictures of him, he's dressed up in these, you know, incredible regalia and yeah. these hats yeah. and uniforms and so on. But when you see the pictures of the African people amassed in the streets of Harlem, the women in their white and the men in their uniforms. And my mother and my aunts used to talk to me about what Papi, who they called, they called him Papi, their, their grandfather, my great grandfather, when he was, you know, getting dressed up to go to the meetings on Sunday. And how he, you know, his back would be really up and straight and his shoulders were straight. And I've imagined in my mind's eye how this man was buoyed and inspired by the spirit of Marcus Garvey Mm -hmm. to go and be with his brothers and sisters and so on, to plot whatever they were plotting for the advancement of Black people. And my son will sometimes ask me, you know, Mom, aren't you tired? Don't you want to, you know, retire, take a break? It's that spirit of Garvey that comes to me through Samuel Aline that keeps me moving, keeps me committed to, in my view, the emotional emancipation of of African people. You
0: know, I actually am, I am actually remembering now that you you said that, well, you know, he's kind of full of himself in a way, you know what (laughs) I mean, in the way that he dressed. I remember now we had, um, and again, this is going to hark memories for people primarily in the US, but the Golden Legacy um, comic books. Uh, they were actually like graphic novels that told the story of um, African-American heroes and hero uh, you know, sheroes. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Garvey was in one of those graphic novels, comic books. And my brother and I had them, my parents brought them for my brother. And then, um, you know, when I got old enough, Got them from my brother that came to me. And mm-hmm. there is actually one that is about Marcus Garvey. And on the front of it, he's wearing like almost an admiral suit, like with the exactly. <laughs> with yeah. With like yeah. The, yeah. The, the hat and that yeah. kind of like yeah. the epaulettes. And it's kind of like, who is this dude? Right.
1: Who but, is this uh, dude? He was full of himself, you know. And he, you know, I mean, ultimately, you know, the ego can sometimes bring you down. But it wasn't just the ego. It was obviously the United States government that set out to bring him yes. down and it did.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that as, as I'm just going to say white America, I'm going to say it, I'm an unapologetically black unicorn. So, you know, as white America started talking, oh, I'm privileged or I have this privilege and I'm going to give up my spot for another person to have the spot. I'm thinking, okay, well, it's kind of privileged of you, is it not? (laughs) I mean, you know what I mean? But um, I, I started to hear words around, well, you know, you're going through your own racial trauma and I struggle with that. And I still today struggle with that. And that's almost why I like the terminology of emancipation healing versus talking about um, having a historical racial trauma, which, which may be the right clinical term, but it mm-hmm. f- feels like it, and it was something that was done to me. But emancipation healing feels like something I can control and kind of take over. Do you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely right. And that is, no one's going to do this for us. Dr. King, in fact, says in his last presidential address, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in 1967, in August of 1967, just a few months before he's to be assassinated, he says that nobody can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must reach down into the inner resources of his own soul, and sign with pen and ink of assertive manhood, his own Emancipation Proclamation. Mm. We take that cue from him. Uh The Emotional Emancipation Circle is a way, a space, uh, a way of building infrastructure to do that work that's necessary to sign our own Emancipation Proclamation. Not what Abraham Lincoln says, because of course, Zora Neale Hurston and Nathan Philip Randolph, and other people say nobody can make a, another man free. I mean, you—you you can only you can do that. It is a way of institutionalizing, creating an infrastructure for us as a community to come together as as people of African ancestry to do the necessary work to free ourselves from this multi generational mental enslavement. Mm-hmm. emotional enslavement, psychic, spiritual enslavement.
0: Mm-hmm. When we do this work or when you're doing this work, can you talk a little bit about um, when exactly, um, when I'm talking about the emancipation healing circles, uh, wh- what is that? When did it start? Who sort mm-hmm. of, how did y'all put that together? How do people find out about it? Those are a lot of questions one after okay. the other, but yeah. So yeah, they're,
1: they're, uh, we call them emotional emancipation circles, EECs, emotional okay. emancipation circles. And the inspiration was in large part Dr. King's, that that little portion of Dr. King's speech. Uh-huh. It was partly Malcolm X's, al Malik Al-Shabazz's speech, who taught you to hate yourself, who taught you to hate the, the color of your skin, the texture of your hair, the, the set of your lips, the width of your nose. Who told you to hate all those things? And how do you After a lifetime of that, right, coming into the world, coming into a world that hates all those things and teaches you to hate all those things, how do you then go through a process of detoxification so that you can love all those things? That is not something that you can do by just declaring, as we did in the 60s and 70s, say it loud, I'm Black and I'm proud. That takes work. It takes process. It takes engagement and and really understanding how the thing was done so that it can be undone. And so in about 2006, we start this process of, you know, sort of wanting to figure out how do we, how do we reverse this? Um, Bell Hook talks about the need for places like AA, she says like AA, for critical consciousness where we can, you know, understand what has happened. And begin to figure out how to how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. He says those places have to be where people are, and so it's that inspiration. And then you know, there's an inspiration of experiences that I had with my own family and and people that I've met who helped me to understand that really the depth of the pain that this lie was causing, and the notion that we should focus precisely on the lie. Not racism or anti Blackness writ large, but the lie of white superiority and Black inferiority as the vector of the harm, as the thing that causes the harm. That's something that we have focused on from the very beginning and, and feel ever more committed to because that is, in our view, the, the root cause. That is the most powerful weapon ever formed against us. That more than enslavement and, and colonization. Um, and trafficking, those things for other people have come and gone, but what stayed with us is that lie, and that's what continues to do the harm, so that was the emotional emancipation circle was intended to be a space where we could address that head-on, and so basically it's a self-help support group process, evidence-informed, African-centered, where we can come together, it's intraracial, It's just us, for us, we can come together and breathe. The invitation is to breathe. The invitation is to let your shoulders down. The invitation is to be in a safe, trustworthy space together where we can speak the truth, the truth, not just to the outside world, but the truth to ourselves, where we can share our stories, understand the impact of the lie on our formation of ourselves, our understanding of who we are, our sense of self-worth, our relationships with each other, and the health and well-being of our community. Emotional wellness skills meant to address the fact that we as African people, we as Black people in the United States have the highest levels of chronic stress, racial stress, because racism costs.
0: Yeah. This This is really so powerful. Um, People can't see me like shaking my head up and down, up and down, kind of like, yes, yes, yes. And I do like snaps, claps, you know, thumbs up in Mm -hmm. my head, if I did them out loud, you all would hear them on the mic. But, um, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I keep thinking of, because my work is, you know, strongly in the mental health field, working across all sorts of lines with psychiatrists, psychologists, Mm -hmm. with, you know, government policy, and also people with lived experience of mental health conditions. And I'm particularly always interested, and I'll say disappointed in, how we think about the recovery process for black folk who either have entered into the mental health system, who get, you know, get diagnosed in the mental health system and then have to work towards their recovery, also for substance uses as well. Okay. And I you know, when I heard about um, EEC through um, Dr. Prem, Anel Prim, I was like, oh yeah. This makes so much sense in the Mm -hmm. sense of this is something that doesn't become part of our recovery journey, but I think should, because we're trying to recover from something that the root cause that um, may have now showing up in sort of, you know, our behavioral changes that are determined to be mental illnesses Mm -hmm. may also lie in our historical kind of sitting on the lie and then we have to recover in the lie, right. you know, and it's like, right. oh, wait, I have to recover it. And I have to recover and be well in a system that actually will perpetuate my own illness. Yes. Like, yes. Help, me ma- Constantly. help me make sense
1: of that. Right. Right. Constantly undermining our very essence as human beings, our very human dignity. And so we, we enter into the world, every human being who's African of African ancestry, Enters into the world on that unsteady, uncertain foundation, where you just enter into a world that devalues you from the jump. Yeah, and now try to go
0: and then stay well. And I find myself many times that so we do code switching. Ooh, the energy for code mm-hmm. switching, you know, <laughs> right? And then, and then I am always questioning: Well, did I get hurt, or did I just get dismissed? No, girl, you right. got dismissed. You don't even have to sit Everybody. here. Everybody, yeah. yeah, you got dismissed.
1: Don't sit here and how say, much hey, energy.
0: Oh, the energy
1: is ridiculous. Well, I think it's Terry Will. I think it's Terry Williams' book. Uh, it just looks like we're not hurting. I can't yeah. remember black black pain. You know, it just yes. looks like, but it's a constant thing. And so, for us, the emotional emancipation circle and the emotional emancipation movement, the global grassroots movement for the emotional emancipation of black people, is to free us up. Our goal is just. Let's not have the spoons that have to do with making our way in a world being being black in a world that devalues us. All right, those those are that's a heavy extra weight that we don't want to have to carry anymore. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we must get rid of this lie of white superiority and black inferiority. It was it was created. The reasons for it are clear. It had to do with greed and the pain that it has caused is just unexpressible. Yeah, yeah. You know, I look at this from the standpoint of a mother and a grandmother now. That we have been bringing our children into this world that devalues them for so long, we've got to stop this. We won't. We don't. We don't want to do that anymore. We, and we've got to change the world. We have to. And right. so we have to figure out first and foremost how do we get this lie out of our own community, out of our own heads, out of our own minds, so that we know who and whose we are that we are firmly grounded in the truth of black humanity. And then together we can figure out how do we free the world of it entirely? Because we don't want our children, our grandchildren to have to, okay, we're gonna figure out how we're going to deal with this lie, how we're going to carry this weight, how we're going to, you know, figure out how many spoons we can. No, we want yeah, them to be yeah. free.
0: Yes. Yes. And so as we move through this process, it sounds like sort of, you know, we, you see, we, us, I sort of thing where it's like, you know, I have to kind of think about it in my own head, in my own life, but I'm connected to other people, which Mm -hmm. is the community. And then as we do that, where are we sort of in moving forward to dismantling and getting rid of this lie? You know, there's the healing part of it and the emancipation part of it. Mm -hmm. where, Where are we in really kind of saying, okay, lies done, we're over, let's move on.
1: So I think that there are several things. One is the reason that we focus like a laser on the lie is because we believe that the lie is the thread that runs through the whole fabric of systemic anti-Blackness, right? So all the systems, it's all there. Mm -hmm. And so if you focus on the lie of white superiority and Black inferiority, it is like the thread that you can identify in the fabric. So you're looking at the health system, we're looking at the educational system, what are the threads of the lie of white superiority and black inferiority as they exist in any one of these systems? And let's start pulling at them systematically. Let's start identifying, auditing them and figuring out how we're going to get them out. That's a huge process, but it's made easier by breaking it down into its constituent parts. We're looking for the lie in every system. We know it's there. Let's find it, let's pull it out, let's replace it with with the truth. Therefore, how does our educational system look differently? How does it, the, the system of mass incarceration look different? These are not animals. And those things were set up
0: with intention to keep keep the lie perpetuated, in other words, as well. I mean, there are other ways to turn it around, but you know, this is this is our our struggle and you know. This is almost why I got excited about this as well is when I think about the, and again, me and mental health, <laughs> kind of think about, you know, the folks that again, you know, we have legislation that is purported to help, you know, these people <laughs> who are disproportionately, you know, kind of not doing well, black folks. I keep thinking, imagine if somebody were to talk to them about the lie, imagine if that were the conversation versus, well, you're not taking your meds or, you mm-hmm. know, um, if you would just do this, you would feel better. It's like, mm-hmm. if I understood the lie and kind of how to unpack all of it I actually might feel better because now I understand the locus of it. It's
1: not me. Yeah. It's like, how, how did we get here? That's a big aspect of what we're doing in the EEC. How do we get here? I think this is such an urgent message to get to young people. I was just writing something and I said, you know, when we introduce young people to the emotional emancipation circle process, they consistently tell us, I sure wish I'd known this earlier in my life. Yes. Yeah. My life would be so different if I'd known this earlier.
0: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I just, you know, I'm really hoping as our listeners are kind of taking all of this in, what are some next steps? What are things that we could be thinking about? So I'm going to turn that question to you. Usually as I start to wrap up kind of our mm-hmm. conversation, kind of, you know, want our guests to kind of talk about what is it that a listener can do? What what is it that I could do? What are some next steps that we could think about? I
1: think think about talking about this issue of anti-Blackness in terms of the line let's call it what it really is. It's not racism that's my enemy. It's the lie of white superiority and black inferiority that is my enemy. And I have to figure out how it is that that lie shows up in my life. This is what we do in the emotional emancipation circles. Like, How did it show up in my family? What received wisdom that I get from my family, what received wisdom that I and Nola get from my grandmother, who was, the, who was the daughter of the Garvey man. The daughter of the Garvey man actually gave me wisdom that contributed to my low self-worth, because that's part of what happens in Black families, right? That's part mm-hmm. of the, 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 the perpetuation of the lie. Mm-hmm. So I had to go mm-hmm. through that and say, okay, even though my great-grandfather was a garbage man, somehow his daughter did not have an appreciation and the love for Blackness that he did. And so how did that affect me? How did that affect my parents? How did that affect my 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 growing up? So just make the lie the issue, right? And And try to figure out how does that show up for me? How does that manifests itself in my, my life and how what are the ways in which I can begin to think about freeing myself from that lie.
0: Yeah yeah that's in, powerful in,
1: in all aspects of my life. Yeah. And and then you know this is a time this is clearly a time for healing for many people but certainly for people in the African community not just in the United States but all over the world. There are healing groups circles everywhere. Doesn't have to be CHN. They're, everybody's talking about healing, the need for healing. And this is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. God and ancestors have clearly decided that it is time for us to heal. We're coming to the end of our sojourn. It's time for us to heal. And so get into a space where you can begin to be with others, to have conversations, because we do believe that Uh, We are each other's medicines. We we can be be a source of of healing for one another. We have a regular every Tuesday at noon. Go to communityhealingnet.org and our Facebook page, Community Healing Network. You can sign up for our emotional lunch break. It's just a one hour of emotional refreshment. People come together from all over the world online to just be together, breathe, reflect on what's going on, have some opportunity for some affirmation of who we are, the beauty of who we are, and our worth as as human beings. And there are so many books to read, so much to learn. Resmaa Menachem's book, My Grandmother's Hands, talks about embodied trauma and how important it is for us to deal with that. Brainwash, Challenging the Myth of Black Inferiority by Thomas Burrell. They're just a huge number of resources. We've got some resources on our webpage, again, communityhealingnet.org. And, you know, engage with us at, again, communityhealingnet.org. And we'd be happy to share what we are doing and uh, what we're up to uh, with you. Fantastic.
0: And I have attended the Tuesday lunch. It was not lunch my time, I don't believe. Maybe it was, yeah, I don't even remember. But at the end of the day, it was like, it was so refreshing. It was that safe space where even if I didn't say anything, hearing others and creating sort of this, this space in which, you know, we you start off with the reflection and the stillness and the, mm-hmm. you know, where our days are busy or we're always doing something or we're engaged in something or we're angry about something. Maybe we're happy about something, mm-hmm. but it's a space where I knew I wasn't alone, you know, and I was around other people. Who, even in their own ways, had gone through or going through similar things and just really, really appreciated on a weekday mm-hmm. to be able to just kind of like breathe.
1: It's breathe, breathe. I, I, you know, we have many clarion calls, but one of them is breathe, baby, breathe. I'm, I'm breathe and rest. And also Mm -hmm. be
0: unapologetically black unicorn. So (laughs) thank you.
1: Unapologetic, right? That's part, that's very, very much a part of defy the lie, right? You defy the lie by being unapologetic, right? I have the right to be here. I have the right to take up space. I have the right to breathe. So we're going to breathe we're going to rest. We're going to be
0: unapologetic. And I want to thank you so much uh, for joining. Yeah. And we'll have all the links. We'll have all the links um, in our description so people can get them easily. But thank you
1: so much. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Have a great weekend. All
0: right, you too. And we'll have our listeners
1: uh, make sure to join
0: in next week. So thanks much.